How do we see a confidence rise in how we're building a movement together? And so what I want to do in this session, uh, a few of us, a number of us actually, were in Cape Town about six weeks ago, I think it is, six weeks ago. And we started some conversations, we got some feedback, and today is really about taking the conversation one step further. Some of it by way of how we're hoping to... uh, take these conversations further in things that you guys have raised, also some of them by way of just clarification, etc. So if we had to put up a slide just about uh, here to there, every one of us know there's a dynamic of we are where we are, and it's not where we want to be. And so there's going to be a moving into more of the there, more of the where we want to be, what we feel God's calling us to. And Today we're going to speak about a little bit of how we do that. And two important ingredients in this I shared with the guys when we were together is preserving the core. There's some things we cannot let go of. We need to work hard to preserve the core. But at the same time, we need to simultaneously stimulate progress. And so we need to be the kind of movement that knows how to hold on to what we don't want to let go of, while at the same time allowing for progress to be stimulated. So for those who weren't in the room, let's quickly take a look at what is the core. Trinitarian togetherness. Now, this is just something I read out of something PJ wrote a couple of weeks ago. I found like it just sparked in me. The truth is that the Father is most probably one of the primary descriptors for that person of the Trinity, the Father. And so if he's the Father and he's leading us, that speaks of a brotherhood, a sisterhood. It speaks of a camaraderie, a togetherness that we commissioned out of. We commissioned out of this or into this Trinitarian togetherness. Secondly, Son, the Son, the incarnate Son who left all of his privilege and, and right and came and incarnated himself on mission into the worlds, he, he launches us into being a people who are marked by mission. So we commissioned by the Father into a brotherhood. We commissioned by the Son into mission. And then lastly, we're not a movement that's trying to do this by way of structures and systems and our great thinking. We are commissioned by the Spirit into a dependence, into being uh, led by and empowered by the Spirit. And so in these kinds of ways, we are Trinitarian togetherness. We also have these missional foundations that we said we're not letting go of. Similar doctrine, shared mission warm relationships, recognized and released leadership. Those are the things we're not letting go of. And so in this, the feedback we've got from you guys just quickly and for the sake of the others, what's working in this togetherness? What's working in this togetherness at the moment is the brotherhood and support camaraderie dynamics the shared gift components of, of when we're seeing different guys serving in different churches and in different zones and areas and things like that. Alignments and movement clarity. I think most of the people kind of know what we're trying to do, what we're trying to achieve. And so you guys said, hey, it feels like that's pretty set. Hub dynamics and the strengthening that's being experienced in the different hubs seems like each of the hubs in their own way are working and finding life there and and experiencing some of these things. ACPC has just got to be one of the best what's working elements of our togetherness and a lot of guys are regularly just sharing of the the joy that that is and the strength that it brings to our togetherness. 
And then there's a true ownership. And I think the dynamic of these people being in the room, this is not one or two people's great ideas. There's an ownership, a collective component of an ownership and contribution to the story. Just seeing the the lineup of who's going to be contributing over the next two days at this kind of South African regional uh, hub time, it's great and exciting to see the contribution levels to that. So that kind of is just by way of glancing over what we've already said and sharing what kind of the group came up with by way of what's working. But then what I did is I went and distilled some components of the what we should be working on. And when I distilled the what we should be working on coming out of that meeting six weeks ago, it seemed like there were three categories that really kind of lifted up. The one is clarity. There's greater clarity still needed by way of a few things that people aren't clear on. Teaming together, how do we do that more effectively? How do we do that better? How do we organize for better teaming together? And then communications was kind of like a whole category of we really need to be working on this. And so we're going to touch on each of these kind of three areas in in this time together. And the first one is uh, clarity. Knowing and defining the win, targets, destinations, and goals. That's what we directly, I can't remember who of it, uh, who of you said that, but we wrote that down on the board. And then secondly, clarifying roles. Why are the people in the room today in the room? And so I've asked PJ kind of to come and share with us along the kind of context of shape, substance, sense for what are some of those goals? Where are we going? What is it looking like? How are we doing things in that regard? And then to answer the question, why exactly again are we in the room? And I think everybody, as I've been asking different people that uh, has had a different articulation for why we're in the room the day before the conference. And so PJ's going to share a couple of those things with us. So I won't be um, setting... Um, micro goals, those are to be set in our different units like hubs and so on. Um, I'll just be setting, setting, uh, reminding us of some of the big goals. So substance and shape, Jaime, just watch for the nod of my head, please. Um, so as we know, we're a movement of churches. We partner together to plant and strengthen churches. And I don't think we must ever grow tired of that little mantra. It's very helpful. Movement, we like the word movement. We're actually moving together. Uh, We're churches, we are a local church uh, focused and based organization, and what we try and do together is plant more churches and strengthen more churches, and we see it in scripture everywhere, Um, length and strength, strong and long, to uh, the detriment of what we do, would we overstate one and understate the other, we do need to keep doing both. Um, We partner around. The blue word, if you double-click on the blue, as we know, we get similar doctrine and values, shared mission, genuine relationship, and suitably gifted leadership. So we don't just throw anyone into leadership anywhere. We want to recognize and release um, wisely and according to gift. Trying to imitate the Pauline pattern, every unit or ecosystem, so we're talking shape and substance, Any units such as we're here in Johannesburg, the churches who partner together in Johannesburg, that's a unit or an ecosystem, as well as all worldwide what we are as an ecosystem. Um, We, every unit, the the very clear goal is to have all four of those components of of partnership in them. We want want all of them in. If we think, if we stick to those, uh, we'll stay on track. 
So whenever we talk about substance, which I'm just going to talk for a couple of minutes about now, please don't get too excited about the shape. It's the substance, okay? Um, the shape is evolving as we grow. The substance will only evolve slowly. We're very pleased with these four biblical aspects of partnership. But the shape we need to be uh, flexible with. Um, and as you know, we've currently been the first little word and the last big word. So we've had these, uh, like, like those in the Western Cape or the hub in East Africa that we trust will develop. You, you, you've thought, we've all thought of ourselves quite local, which is great because we want to be faithful with our Jerusalems. And then we really look forward to getting together with brothers and sisters from all around the world. We pray for church plants in Thailand and Turkey and Waterloo, and so it goes. But it's, it's kind of gone from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. We didn't plan the, the growth of our partnership like that. We think Jesus did. And um, when a group of us met that Ryan was talking about since the last time we met to look at some of these things that we were think are working and that we need to work on, we had a couple of aha moments when we realized that we'd actually, we've got the Jerusalem and the ends of the earth, which although slightly counterintuitive, is a wonderful thing to have. If you're just spread out all over the world and there's no reality to the Jerusalem mission, not good. Conversely, if we're just about our own cities and we don't factor in Christ's command to go to the ends of the earth, also not good. So we just love the fact that God has put us into a partnership where we've got churches on five different continents, either in or looking in, uh, in, a, in a significant way, but also we, that we have Al Bart up here before lunch, and we just can't get enough of how can we reach our cities and towns. That's really encouraging. What's emerged over the last couple of years is this type of ecosystem, which we think we're going to call zones, which is, in this context, it's Africa. So it's the if Jerusalem, it's the kind of Judea-Samaria bit uh, that we have been doing, but it's been like the, the cousin in between of the two brothers. And we just have seen, seen that we need to add in this zone component. So let's see, a hub is a, gr a group of churches that work together to plant and strengthen churches. And it's usually going to be in a city or a state or a province. Okay, But as, as, as we plant more churches, more and more will hubs refer to um, cities or groups of towns. Okay, that's, that's definitely where it's going. A zone is an ecosystem of hubs, ideally a country or a continent. That's this. And global is an ecosystem of zones, and that helps us do the ends of the earth. Um, hubs, I know this is after lunch, that may be a bit complex, but we've realized that hubs can give birth outwards to zones, and zones can give birth inwards to hubs, which interestingly has been our story so far. So even when we think about our partnership in Africa, the way it happened was uh, Fun Rain, Wallace, Howard Brown, and Smythe. We all aware of the, the all four aspects of the Great Commission: Judea, Samaria, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. We all thought, man, that's a stretch. We think we can do it better together. We can be stronger and more compelling together, and we can go further together. And our short lives do more for Jesus if we're together. 
So that was some guys in Cape Town and some guys in Joburg that was already a bit of a zone. And since that time, about four years ago, um, we've kind of colored in with planting churches and adopting some churches into the partnership. We've colored in within that those lines that we, we all already were. And now we're starting to talk about hubs in different parts of South Africa. And I know this is an Africa conference. Um, last one, to gatherings. Um, now, again, don't get, oh, it's just layers. It's not layers. It's ways to help you and me and our churches do the Great Commission. So it's not fun for Arno and Claire in East London to think somehow we need to be effective to the ends of the earth. If we don't structure our partnership so that their prayers and resources and people and encouragement can actually help them and their church do something towards the ends of the earth. You see that structure follows the great commission that Jesus gave us. So we're, for Arno and Claire, if we say, um, Arno and Claire, it's just about the Eastern Cape hub. They're very pleased about having partners to do Jerusalem better and maybe Judea better. But if we leave it at that, how are they going to do Samaria and the ends of the earth? Well, the answer is by meeting friends here and praying in this context, they're able to participate in Samaria, the Africa. And by your connection with um, the global family and once a year, if you, if you can make it, you don't have to. But through the, the tapestry and the ecosystem, you can meaningfully participate to the ends of the earth, which is what Jesus says he's put in your church to do. So, so we're helping through structures and gatherings. We're helping us do the great commission of Jesus. Currently, we've got one global gathering per year. Currently, we're doing one zonal gathering per year, uh, Africa, and hubs meet more regularly. Some, some hubs are more developed than others. Organization and funding somehow needs to incorporate or touch or serve Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth, which are contemporary lam- languages, hub, zone, and global. So currently, we have three zones. Africa, it's the most developed zone. That's us. We also, um, out of the Africa zone, we connect with Um, churches in India, Australia, and Asia, who may one day become churches in the partnership and in due course hubs and in due course zones. That's up to Jesus. As for me, I think it's going to happen. Because Jesus said, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And we do that best when we do it together. But they're currently connected in with us. So so, um, surprisingly, actually, there's no one here over these days from India, Australia, or uh, Asia, because Rigby, Steve, and myself, we connect at different levels with guys in those three places. So that's unusual, because they're connected to us. Um, However, at the North American gathering, in Zone Gathering in September, um, it's looking likely that there will be um, certainly some Aussies there, because Alan Frau in LA is also connecting in uh, out of the North American hub, helping churches in those places. And then UK and Europe is also a zone. Okay, what's next, Jaime? So we're nearly there. Summary. So by introducing the middle layer of zones, we hope to protect the integrity of the hub concept, which we're, we're, we're pretty sure 
is going to increasingly be uh, cities and regions, states, provinces, and so on. So key units. We plant and we strengthen in our hubs and our Jerusalems. Whilst also helping churches reach Samaria, have an involvement in Africa, and being a global collective helps us all be involved in the mission to the ends of the earth. Remember that the substance of all these three units, take any one of them, we want to have the four aspects of partnership alive and well in them. And remember that there are dotted lines around all of our units. So one of those um, aspects of partnership is genuine relationship. It may be, uh, or, or, or let me say it like this, that the church's in Australia are connecting into both Africa and North America because of genuine relationship at the moment. And we're not forming a new zone to be tidy. We're not saying Australia is a zone. No, there's not recognized leadership there. It's so embryonic. Uh, there's dotted lines around all these things. Um, then to the second question of why are we all in this room? Um, just a couple of verses. Having sent into Macedonia two of his helpers, Timothy and Erastus, Paul himself stayed in Asia for a while. Remember, we are very clear that we're not like the Apostle Paul in some ways, and that we are like that model of ministry that he put in place in other ways. So trying to imitate him, we see a really helpful word, helpers. Paul had helpers, and I really like that word, because it's biblical, but it's also elastic, Every one of us can help. Help what? Help plant and strengthen churches. That's what we do. We're a movement of churches that plants and strengthens churches. And so we're a bunch of helpers in this room. We have the, we have the great privilege of helping our great apostle Jesus uh, in his mission of planting and strengthening churches. That gets worked out by us helping in these hubs, zones, and global. How? In different ways. Uh, what Tash contributes is, is different from what Anthea contributes. It's just different from what Tank uh, contributes. Which brings us to the next verse um, that Ben was looking at this morning. We say repeatedly that this isn't the only verse that deals with spiritual gifts that we need to plant and strengthen churches. I'm using this verse as representative, not just of, of uh, the sorts of giftings mentioned in this verse, but of all the other uh, verses on spiritual gifts. We need team, we need spiritual gifts if we're going to build up the body of Christ. What does it mean to build up the body of Christ? Plant and strengthen churches. Strengthen them, plant them, quality, quantity. And just to close off, we've got to do this. We can do this. We're empowered by Jesus to do this to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And, and sorry that we're... No, actually, I'm not sorry. We're underlining things. Uh, what do you do with the core, Ryan? Use something in the core? Preserve the core while stimulating progress. I'm absolutely sure that the clearer and stronger we get on the core things, they're so simple, they're so biblical, if we can be very clear on those core things, then as, as progress is stimulated, we'll, we'll remain in, the, um, in truth, like the Bible wants us to be, and we'll remain in the power of the Holy Spirit. And chatting to churches who are considering partnership with Advance or to churches who are part of our partnership but sometimes get this slightly grumpy, usually 
the, clin- the thing that really clinches it and helps is the eldership team getting fresh conviction that they, as a church, in their generation, really are called to something beyond Jerusalem. And like, the, our partnership makes sense when we understand we're a great commission obeying partnership. That's why we formed up. Because we, it's hard enough to do Jerusalem by yourself. You can't even do Jerusalem well by yourself. With the body of Christ, we need each other. It is practically impossible to do the ends of the earth well. Very few churches can even scratch the ends of the earth alone. But together, we can, we can really do some uh, good work over there. So if you, just a little tip, if you come up against an eldership team that's sighing a bit or, or, or something, it's probably because they've got, they're very excited about Jerusalem, which is terrific. Uh, we want to help them be responsible and excited for the other three tiers of the Great Commission. Don't go anywhere, PJ. Um, just practically from my context, this has been incredibly helpful, what Peter's just spoken about now. I think uh, in leading our eldership team, there's two inclinations, and I would be as bold as to say I think those inclinations live in our own hearts. That's why we see them represented sometimes in the hearts of others in our eldership teams. The one, uh, the eldership team I lead will ask me the question, what's in it for us from advance? So that's the one question I get. The other one is, so what do they want you to do, Ryan? as the lead guy. So it's almost kind of like, what do they want from us and what can they give to us? And that's the question and almost the polarity of what we deal with primarily. This dynamic of saying, what can our church, linking hands with advance, do to fulfill the Great Commission is the sweet spot of the the middle territory and saying, hey guys, it's not about what is in it for us. It's not about what they want me to do. It's about us linking hands in fulfilling the Great Commission. It's such a key one. I want to just press you a little bit by way of inspiration, a little bit of leadership for this call. You've covered shape and substance really well. (laughs) You've covered shape and substance really well. If you had to just bleed a little bit on what you're hopeful for in the next few years, the next season of advance. Can you go there? Yeah. I I think on the planting and the strengthening, um, I think we're, we're going to need to provoke one another more on the planting than we are on the strengthening. We've been saying that since the outset of, you know, the very early, uh, early uh, months, years of our partnership. And, and God's really helped us in that. So the number of um, catalytic church plant projects that have happened, are happening, or we think will happen, um, has been very encouraging. But if we take our foot off the gas, you'll know this from your local church leadership, if you take your foot off the gap if you take your foot off the pedal of mission you you think no problem we're just going to ease off a bit for 6 months it takes 18 months to recover it's one of those extraordinary things that you neglect it and it's it's really quite hard uh, to get back we're obviously talking about about this at movement level not just local church level so i would say that's the thing that we've got to continually press for what does that look like it looks like, ident- number one, identifying potential church planters and getting them on ACPC. That is such a tangible way of doing it. So if Fred here 
has got an inclination that he might want to lead a church. And whether he ends up planting a church or not, it doesn't really matter. But what he's got is a missional desire to either lead a church or be very key in leading a church. If you get him on ACPC, he will grow broader than you and your eldership team could ever develop and grow him. And, And I do just want to really underline that point, that Jubilee Church, wow, um, Grace Gen, no, Somerset West, Grace Gen, New Gen, sorry, Grace Gen's also awesome, Craig. The, four, the first four guys that came together was Jubilee, Churches, Common Grounds, Grace Gen, and uh, New Gen, and, and God First. Now, size is not everything, despite what Donald Trump uh, would have people believe. Um, size is not everything, but as as four churches, a thousand or plus, and with some good history and heritage, we were desperate for each other's help and remain desperate for each other's help. And ACPC was put together uh, mostly by Terran, assisted by Dave Adams at Jubilee, and by Pete Cropman from uh, God First. That's, I love that little cameo picture, you know, those three guys putting it together. So we think we can get better, better quality and better quantity when we do things together. So bias towards planting and, and, and uh, an exercise for an eldership team to do every six months is in a, you, you give half an hour to it in an elders meeting and say, okay, who have we got who is a potential church planter in this room and your eldership team or anyone else? And I would say push them towards uh, ACPC. ACPC is not mandatory. You don't have to do that. But we think it's a, it's a, a terrific um, thing to do. So pressing on the planting thing. Um, then, Ryan, on the strengthening, I would encourage us to keep being imaginative and front-footed um, in terms of where we need strengthening. A great question to ask each other is, where do you feel your church needs strengthening? Even better, ask them, where do you think our church needs strengthening? And ask about yourself as well. So where do you think I need strengthening? We must be proactive in, 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 uh, in asking our Father to strengthen us um, through each other. Um, and then I'd also say on strengthening, we need to keep each other accountable uh, in terms of the gatherings that we do. We don't want anybody to go away from any advanced gathering thinking that was a waste of time. Now, I know we're all good-hearted and we're not looking for perfection, um, but we really do want the times that we are together to be uh, very productive. Um, we, we, we don't want to waste time, um, want to help each other out. Uh, we want to bring leaders to it. I, I, I would love us, this would be another dream thing, I'd love us to get to the place where, where if we get as many leaders as possible to advance gatherings, we'll just feel it was a, a, a wonderful investment. There is a little bit of, um, I think, wisdom required in that, that over the years I've noticed, and I think Ash would say the same, that the kind of um, expansion and growth we get as individuals and our church gets from being part of a movement isn't always, aren't always things that you can write down on a list. A lot of it is just the protectionist that comes from the brotherhood uh, you glean things from each other. You go home feeling we're not alone. It's those things that may not look particularly impressive on paper, but when you're out there in the trenches, um, it, it's so important. We just love the fact that over 
nearly two decades now, we've, we've given ourselves the partnership and we feel completely surrounded all around the world, even with non-advancers, you know, New Frontiers people, others that we've been working with, we feel surrounded and we think that's really, really precious. Planting and strengthening, I just can't improve on that. That's what I, what I think uh, we must keep doing increasingly. BJ? So what we're going to do now is, if we can flip to that next slide, uh, we've done a little bit of chatting. I'm very happy for us, kind of from this point forth, to feel free to interject and give us other ideas. PJ asked me a couple of weeks ago, Ryan, start getting your head around some of these things. If this is what we collectively have come up with as things we need to work on, how can we actually practically go about working on them? And so you'll see these first two, I've thrown it straight back to hubs and zones, and primarily most probably hubs. But when it came to the teaming together dynamics, uh, we raised something that we, these issues as things we need to be working on. Contextual teaming. Remember, I think, can't remember who it was who actually said it now, it could have been Arno, um, said when it comes to the things that our nation or our region is facing, how is it that we can sharpen each other, learn from each other through, uh, to look at what does leadership through these contextual changes and challenges look like? And so how do we do that? And I want to say the best I think we can do is develop the relationships within our hubs to the point where we're saying, hey, I'm picking up the phone going, guys, this happened in our economy. Our finance minister got fired last week. How is that affecting what you guys are doing on Sunday, this Sunday? Are you saying anything? Are you praying? Are you? So Steve would be a guy in our context that I would feel totally comfortable to say, hey, Steve, I'm guessing you and Lex, you guys have been chatting around what does the firing of Nene mean to Sunday's meeting and the insecurity that creeps in for some of our members, the, the dynamics of how this actually it affects those who've got home loans, but in the interim, I mean, in the long term, it affects those that are the poorest of the poor that much more so. How are we speaking to this and making sure whiteys aren't just getting insecure because it's their wallets that are being touched for the first time? Those kinds of questions are the questions I'm asking as a leader, but who am I wrestling with? Who am I grappling with? I think these contextual teaming dynamics need to be the kinds of relationships that, and conversations that naturally happen at a hub level, at a zone level. Uh, one of the cool things for me out of what PJ was saying just now on hubs and zones is many of us feel like, hey, the, the hubs things is natural because that's where we are. But if we had to just go into being in the Western Cape, or we had to go to just being the churches in the Eastern Cape, or we'd lose way too much in, in, in what we've experienced over the last few years. And I think it's always rich when we get into you know, moments like this with the people that are in this room and, and the broader kind of group over the next two days. So for me, the zones thing just keeps it at that level of like, so, it's so exciting that it's a little bit broader than just the guys who I love in the Western Cape. So... Let's plant churches together. Again, another thing PJ's encouraged us, but hubs and zones is going to be the way we do that. And it's going to come out of you owning it eldership-wise. It's going to come out of us choosing to do it together. What does it look like, Steve and Lex, planting into the inner city of Cape Town? And how does Common Ground become a shareholder in that story in our hub? Are extended churches experiencing being part of advance? I think we've spoken about this a fair amount, but tomorrow night we'll get a little bit of a feel for 
bringing the bigger group along, bringing leadership teams to these kind of uh, hub events, etc., bringing the teams in on it. Out of our conversation a few weeks ago when we were all in the room, I found myself freshly kind of saying, last Sunday, this, a few days ago, I needed to bring the whole church in on Hey guys, remember we're part of Advance. This is why we believe in it. This is what we're going to be doing in the next week. Please be praying for us. It's so exciting that we're not just out there on our own. It's so exciting that we're part of something bigger. And feeling the prophetic words written on a piece of paper given to me after the meeting by that prophetic guy. And, and, and towards the togetherness and the generosity of this experience. That's something we get to own, but we'll also structure it into some of the dynamics of our togetherness. How do we bring those teams in, etc.? Does that make sense? Induction processes. Uh, we kind of said, how is it Matt brings a friend from East London along, and PJ is here in front of this group telling us kind of the induction process, you, you know, advance, and this is how we started. And 90% of the people in the room are like, hey, PJ, we've heard you on this before. Whereas for that guy who's here for the first time, it's vital that he gets that stuff. It's vital that he feels like he's had the on-ramp onto the highway. That's meant he's caught some speed and he's, he's, he's fitting in with us. And he's not trying to just be thrown onto the highway without the on-ramp process. And so what we're feeling is that we can do it through two means primarily. One is online. Anybody who gets pointed towards our brand, uh, brilliant new websites can get the almost full induction process in that time just by reading what's on there. And then secondly, in these kinds of gatherings, we're going to pull that stuff out. And we've tried it once or twice, but make sure that that happens in a separate little track for those who you feel like need to be in the room. And we're not every time we're together going back to square one and starting over again. So just good for us to be aware of how we can deal with that. Navigating the tension of smaller, bigger church needs and appetites, geographical, uh, cultural differences. I would love to say that I've got some great answer for how we're going to do this. This is the one that's got me stumped the most, to be honest. And I think, again, this is a commitment to the brotherhood, a commitment to saying, hey, maybe in this moment I'm being generous because this doesn't directly apply to me. But in this moment, I'm, I'm kind of speaking up because, guys, we've got to think about how this applies to me. And, and that difference between speaking up and generosity of heart in the togetherness of, of when we're together. But I think this one will always be attention to manage, not a problem to solve. As Andy Stanley says, it's attention to manage. It's never going to go away, the differences between bigger and smaller churches. So let's just keep it in that happy tension place, not trying to solve it and make it go away. It's actually a, a beauty of our diversity is that we've got both of those kind of groupings in the room, diversity of cultures, diversity of sizes, multi-church, non-multi-site, you know, that kind of thing. Problem, not a problem to solve, attention to manage. And then greater peri-urban peri peri -urban intentionality and influence. Now, I just heard uh, that we've kind of almost there. Is that right? Anna, who should we be speaking to? Can you guys give us a quick update? Gareth? Um, just well, speaking to that last point, um, planting churches into previously disadvantaged areas, um, whether those are urban or rural, um, or with leaders from previously disadvantaged pasts in terms of resources, it's just totally different to some of the stuff we were listening to this morning. Um, and so, 
If you want to find out about some of what's happening, we've tried to craft some stuff uh, from the ACPC. I did ACPC with Robert Lamini and a couple of others, and we've worked on trying to reduce some of that stuff into a format that can work in other contexts where people can't afford to get to ACPC or wouldn't be able to read at that level necessarily and kind of do it on a discipleship process over two and a half years. So hopefully we'll have many church planters in the next few years to come. It's, it's happening. Yeah, so it's in process. Yeah. So let's keep, that, let's keep that conversation alive. And I think, I think there's a few different people in the room who are going to be thought leaders and stimulators on that. And uh, I know we're asking the question where we are. How do we? How do we cross the bridge? How do we, uh, you know, reach the larger side of, of Cape Town by way of planting churches and getting more active in that regard? So we need you guys to lead us in this stuff. Um, when you look at that list, are there any comments, concerns, questions by way of, hey, we could also do this, or I'm not sure we fully got our minds around that. You feel like, or does this feel like we've covered it? Any comments, thoughts, suggestions? Go for it. Great. And I think one of the things that, and we, we're going to kind of land here, but to him who has the vision, he has the job, or she has the job. The dynamics of, the answer is, yeah, the answer is yes, that's what we're going to do. If we're saying yes, that's what we're going to do. And like those guys in their context have said, we'll take ACPC, we've done it. And we'll make a version of this that's going to be very helpful in those contexts. Likewise, we will translate it if you're saying we will translate it. Um, I think that uh, we're going to get into this a little bit just now, but that's where we're going. And I think with that comes the power of partnership. So we see, hey, there's a need there. So there's somebody that can do it, but there could be resource challenges. There could be media challenges. And that's where we can partner together. And so then it doesn't just become a resource for you guys, but it becomes a resource for the guys working in Kenya. So all of a sudden, we've got a resource that is hitting a number of different nations. And that's where we really can do more together. Great. So let's um, move into the next kind of category, which is communications. This is the third of the categories we kind of uh, just highlighted. And we felt like there was much work needed in the area of feedback mechanisms and creating a united resource base allowing for ministry collaboration. There was speak of like this reef. This is where I most probably get most excited around the what's possible dynamic, especially in the next six months to two years. Um, just recently, PJ, Rig, Steve, Steve, Stephen were in the room, and we heard from an elder in our Bosch PM congregation just around some of the platforms that their company have available and would like to make available to us. And so two platforms just to kind of let you know about. Uh, these come under kind of a new communications idea. The first one is they run the publication platform online kind of publication platform for Springboks, Pro Tiers, Liverpool, Soccer, all of the 
guys who are doing anything, if you want to get a feel for how interactive it is, video rich it is and things like that, they've got compression software that allows you on your phone, go to the Springbok magazine, see what comes up there, interact with it a little bit. They're willing to make that software available to us. And our hope is that um, most probably somewhere around three times a year, we put a global kind of advanced global news type thing together, which has got video interviews with different church planters. It's got a feedback or a training quick on how do you do this? What is this? The importance of planting churches. We can have Ash and PJ, hey guys, tell us a little bit more about what the move to America has been like. And we interview, it's not just static, it's not just reading, it's, it becomes a way of us being able to tell the story um, globally to all of our churches. Likewise, um, most probably looking to move towards a, an advanced kind of quarterly mailer with news items. Maybe it's slightly more static, but if, if it's a MailChimp mail, but it, it raises six or seven prayer items every two, three months that we can globally be telling the story and be praying into. I think we enhance uh, a fair amount of these feedback mechanisms, inviting prayer, etc. And over time, I'd anticipate that moving quite quickly from a global prayer items to a zone-related, North America, Africa, Europe, uh, us being able to do zone prayer type things. Now, that, that's not far away. Uh, we're hoping to actually potentially move towards our first publication by May, if we can get there and get all our ducks in a row. But that's going to be you guys giving us stories, us into, you know, the whole bit from that point of view. And then other than kind of the, the feedback mechanisms, the one other thing I'm super excited about, same guy has just partnered up with the Teach Me Too tutoring guys, the uh, e-learning platforms, and they have built an e-learning platform that they're going to use to roll out education nationally. They already do like spa groups training, Mr. Price's training. They take all of these big guys and they put videos together. So wherever you are remotely at a Mr. Price or a spa in the country, you can log in. You can get the training that's specific to you if you're a manager, to you if you're a small group leader, to you if you're, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so they, again, are saying, hey, we would love to partner with you and as cheaply as possible make this platform available to you. Dave Adams is already starting to interact with their guys about the potential of taking ACPC onto a platform like that, which means you don't have to experience the hub dynamics or the, the intensives in the same way. We could potentially look to create a, another version of those intensives so you don't lose the brotherhood and the richness, but at the same time, we just at a much more cost-effective level are able to make the ACPC-type training and stuff globally available, hopefully to a number of places. And then imagine what that could mean for the reef of training. If we just said, hey, you three guys, can you put your best of on preaching, best of on small groups, best of on worship, best of on, and we start to pull some of those things together so that we have an online kind of ongoing training platform, that type of thing. And obviously we'd need kind of curators to manage this stuff, but we can very quickly start to pull in stuff that already exists out there on the net and in the world into what we're doing by way of strengthening church planters. And again, imagine what that means for economic, uh, different economic areas where that may be harder to travel to, etc. So really excited about that. Those are some of the things. Are there any thoughts, comments, sparks that are fl flying during this moment? A thumbs up from Gareth. Great. We'll take it. 
So th- those are those uh, one one other just by way of is this web website optimization dynamic. If you haven't been onto the new website, I'd really encourage you to do it. Uh, just go check out the new. It's advancedmovement.com. Is that right, CMJ? Advancedmovement.com. Yeah, there it is. Uh, go check out the new website. There's a, a great. Um, yeah, it's just a great platform. And Ryan Marshall, who's in North Carolina, One Harbor Church, is kind of the champion of that. And he's really uh, trying, almost in a sense, you're getting the feeling. He's like, let's do more, let's do more the whole time. So I think he's going to continue to be a, a champion in that regard. So really exciting to see some of these things coming together. Now, kind of maybe to move into the tail end of, of this conversation, I'm going to create opportunity if Steve and Rig want to jump in on this, but one of the things that guys have just said, let's speak to a little bit, is what are some of, and this is important for us in the room, what are some of the attitudes, what are some of the ideas that are important for us to make sure we're getting a grip on these things as we're moving forward? And I would say anyone in the room can add to this. Things that are going to be helpful to moving us forward. I found myself listening to a guy on one of the Catalyst uh, kind of talks from recently, and he said, his name's John Milbrandt. He started the global justice movement, and it's just gone global in its, in its effect in its movement. And when he was being asked about a movement and how a movement works, he said, what is it that causes a movement truly to pop? And he highlighted three things. The first thing he says, you've got to appeal to the heroic. Appeal to the heroic. And I'm not sure about you guys, but I, I feel like when PJ speaking, when there's dreams that are... Uh, Steve, Rigby, these are the kinds of guys that when you get with them, you stand a little taller. You, you, you feel like you're part of something bigger. And it dials in that component of the hardwiring that we have. So tapping into the heroic. Now, I want to tap into the heroic when I say uh, these next two points, particularly the third one. The second point he says is crafting the experience. We've got to think very carefully around what this togetherness feels like, what it looks like, the purpose it has. There's got to be great intentionality in every time that we come together, every time you're doing something at a hub level, every time you're partnering with churches, etc. There needs to be great kind of intentionality around crafting that. People, they, they see that excellence. It inspires, it pulls them in. And then lastly, he says, give real ownership. And for me, this is the big point I'm wanting to... The attitude that we, I think, will catalyze us into the future is an attitude of ownership. And so if it's translating ACPC into a language that could serve a nation, then there's ownership opportunity there. If it's Ryan Marshall in his kind of personal capacity saying, I'll take this website thing forward, let's do it. There's a lot of opportunity to give real ownership away in this thing. We, we really want to, a next kind of point is, uh, we really want to make sure that there's no feelings of head office, that people are truly feeling like, hey, if, if we can do it, our staff, our eldership team, our volunteers have got the capacity to make some video or put some song together that's going to inspire churches around the world, whatever it is, the ownership opportunity is there there will be a fair amount of needing to grade these things by way of how far they're going to go. But 
we, we love the idea of, of the ownership and wanting to do that. So no head office, massive opportunity for ownership and collaboration is another one. What I've seen happening already is where guys are saying, hey, we will, NK and Gareth and Arno, we will start to chat about peri-urban church planning and training. When this guy, that guy, and that guy, I, and I'm obviously using guys in the most generally generous gender non-specific way, we partnering together in, in doing this, doing that. Um, collaboration is, is key, and so the team is always going to be stronger than the individual in this regard. And then the last one is, I would say, Rigby uses this saying, just try anything once for the glory of God. It means it may not happen a second time, but there's a general leaning into, try it once. As long as it's for God's glory, if it messes up, we don't do it again. But hey, if it works, that's great. And uh, recently I heard a little saying, a good idea, well executed, is always going to beat a bad idea. I mean, a a brilliant idea, poorly executed. And so, hey, if your idea is kind of halfway there and you've got the chutzpah to make it happen, keep chatting to us and let's do it. Try anything once for the glory of God. I honestly believe it's going to be a dynamic of seeing us go like this through all of us carrying this in our hearts, not carrying that, hey, what's in it for me? You know, but hey, how can I be a part of strengthening the ends of the earth components of this gospel dynamic? So one other idea is we're excited in Cape Town. We're launching this on the 17th of April. We're pulling together a Cape Town Church Planners Forum. And we've got a whole bunch of the guys in the Western Cape saying, hey, these are the people you need to invite. It's beyond advance. It's hosted by advance, but for the strengthening of church planners in the city. If you've got under 150 people and you've been going for less than three years, you're in if you'd want to be. And those guys will connect every so often and really for the purpose of standing with each other and strengthening each other, not for the purpose of feeling like it's, it's this advanced thing or it's you know, something you've got to go to. It's not a fraternal. It's a church planners forum where we stimulate and encourage each other. And then one last thing is just by way of the global conference. Uh, I'll kind of, this has not in any way been signed off by everyone. Actually, most of what I'm saying is in the conceptual stages and we'll refine it as we go. But one of the things that really kind of gets me excited is I'm not sure how many of you stood at a NCMI Bloom back in the day or an NFI Brighton or Stonely, yeah. But I remember as a young man standing in those things, and I I felt like it ruined me for the ordinary. It raised a sense of what's possible and stirred something in our hearts. My concern is, when do we get that for the rest of our guys and our young guys and that kind of stuff? Now, if we move into our annual Mecca kind of mechanisms where we try and get the whole advanced church together once a year somewhere, I think we... We know the dangers of the costs affected, you know, related to that and stuff. But imagine every three years when Global came through South Africa and we did it at a scale that allowed for breakaways into worship training and small group leadership training. And you're hearing the best of not just guys in the country, but guys in the world that we get to invite to those big worship, blow the roof off moments, big opportunities for us to call forth and lay hands on and see people healed and all everything that goes with those great moments. So every three years, every three years to be, here we go, can make it happen. So that, that's kind of just a thinking out loud 
type dynamic to answer some of the questions that other guys were, how do we bring churches in? How do we see people trained and equipped? And obviously that, as it rotates for now, could be experienced in, at Global in the UK, could be experienced at Global in the US in the interim. But we would bring our zone every three years when it comes together. Our eldership teams, our deacons, our, you know, get them all camping in the caravans and all that to be there, that kind of thing. So that's, that, that for me, covers the, bo- the bottom two of those. So, closing thoughts, questions to you. Who's going to do all of this? <laughs> Sue's going to do it. We've got Sue. There we go. There we go. So, obviously, none of what we've spoken about is going to really be covered by that head office, office dynamic. I think all of kind of the future of advance is held together by the people who choose to collaborate and contribute to it. So I think this afternoon has been a, by way of good for you guys to know, most of you are very high capacity, very busy leaders. And for me to say, okay, great. So here's your job description. That wouldn't help any of us. But possibly as we've been speaking a little bit this afternoon, there's been a, I think our team, or I think my gifting or that lady on our team, that guy on our team, these are the people we need to connect with some of these dreams, some of these visions, we can make it happen. And obviously that goes to linking your church in on that. If you've got a media team, hey, won't you tell us about it? Won't you say, hey guys, we feel like we could, you know, put a mailer once a quarter together. We feel like we could help with this. We feel like we could do that. And obviously it's church to church, but here I'm speaking about kind of church to global kind of on that level into our zone and into those kinds of things. So I hope that's all right. And I hope that the practicals of speaking about confidence and building a movement isn't too yawning in nature, but we're getting a sense for, hey, let's be part of it. Let's add our contribution. And I would love to take some of these conversations forward uh, with you guys. Is that right? Great. Rick? So yeah, let's just encourage Ryan. Well done, mate. So uh, as we have listened to all of this amazingly inspiring stuff, I hope we can feel faith stirred in our heart. And, uh, you know, we haven't crossed all the T's or dotted all the I's. What's powerful about today is that moving toward the future, we're always going to have blurred edges, but we don't have a blurred center. We're starting to button some things down. We're starting to lean on some things. We're standing on some foundations. we X number of years down the road. And we're a brotherhood. And we love each other to bits. Uh, well, I do. I love you dudes. And, and even Fred, yeah, I really love him to bits. Um, just, just a thought that, that one question is how are our church is going to participate in this. I just thought I'd get up here, be a little vulnerable about my early days in in kind of connecting with PJ and Steve. And, you know, we, we were doing pretty well. And the, my guys were asking that question. And every now and then it still comes up from the odd guy because we are in a consumer culture. Full stop. We're in a consumer culture. Uh, 50% of the people that come to our churches are consumers. When Jesus turned to a crowd, he saw consumers. But he was able to condemn consumerism in the crowd without condemning the crowd in consumerism. My point is simply this. We have a massive battle trying to 
turn this consumer thing around at a discipleship level in our own churches. But one of the things we often don't monitor is our own approach to movements that we can sometimes also be consumers because we go to, cons- we go to conferences essentially say, what do we get out of this stuff? Or we join a movement and we're trying to answer the question, what are the benefits? And the biggest benefit is what you can add because you create a whole new frontier for the priesthood of all believers to go beyond just a local church horizon and start to think city, Jerusalem, think Samir, think, uh, the, the, uh, think globally. And that's part of what the story is here. The, there's such a gift to us as, as uh, key churches, key gifts in the room, uh, such, such a gift to us that standing shoulder to shoulder, uh, we, we're going to bring all those guys through. But more than that, we ourselves are going to be discipled. So the big question I want to ask us to help us going forward is monitor the flow of grace in your heart. Is this grace when I go to a movement or in a room like this or anywhere? Am I coming because I'm trying to receive a flow of grace? Or am I in this for grace to flow from me? And I think if we want to go the ends of the world, we're going to need to rediscover a grace flow from. Now, that's not, we don't need grace too. Oh, yes, I need grace too. And tomorrow I need grace too. And the next day I need grace too. But maturity is the product of, of, of grace flowing through the riverbed of our individual and together lives. So on that note, over to my friend Stephen van Ryan. The big, sorry, you just stand there one moment. One more, one more thing. The call to faith, guys. The call to faith. This isn't a thumb suck. We're not trying to excite people. We want to anchor people in the ancient commission. 2,000 years, Jesus said, this gospel shall be preached as a witness to all nations. Then the end shall come. It's not the headlines of the newspapers we read that are going to wrap up human history. It's going to be the fullness of Christ proclaimed in every nation, in every place, and you and I being a small part of this big thing that he's doing in the world. Yeah, I just, I'm very aware that um, it's way more cooler to kind of be um, kind of ambivalent about the future and not to be too excited. It's just like, well, we see where this is going, that that's kind of the culture that we're in. Uh, but I just want to say I am so excited about the future. I, I really just, I, I, I'm so amped. I feel like I'm just before the first game of rugby at the start of a new season um, as an 11-year-old. And um, I don't think that that excitement is rooted in unreality. I think if we look back at the last five years of our partnership together, uh, we've done way more than we'd ever imagined. The fact that we've got uh, significant healthy churches in Cape Town, in uh, Port Elizabeth, in East London, in Durban, in Johannesburg, in Dar es Salaam, the fact that we planting in Nairobi just with this phenomenal couple, uh, Bones and Tash. I just, the last five years, wow, God, it, it's, it's just really been incredible. And then when you think of uh, the churches that God is connecting to us globally, I can see a global ecosystem taking place where God is connecting 
uh, men and women with similar theological convictions who are passionate about planting churches to the glory of God in the ends of the earth. I am enormously excited. I, I, I just really am. I, I'm, I'm super excited uh, about what the future holds. So that's the just first thing I want to say. I'm just really excited. The second thing is I just want to highlight, and this kind of came as, a, as we we're just talking about where we are in the future, please don't discount zones. So actually, in South Africa, we started as a zone where we, it was like a national thing. Hey, if you're interested in this, I can remember the first gig that we did in Joburg. It was a national thing. We were all together as a nation before we went to hubs. And in terms of the future, don't just get so hub-focused that, you, that we lose the power of us being together as a zone. And, and over the next two days, we're going to see the power of that. When we're actually praying about Dar and when we're praying about Nairobi, that we're part of something bigger, that's just going to lift our gaze and it's going to help all of us. And in terms of our eldership teams, in terms of people who want to partner with us, don't just think hubs, also think zones as a key component in terms of us moving forward. And then just in terms of some attitudes and some thoughts, I've, I've just been really helped uh, in the past by just reflecting on um, Acts chapter 20. You know, it's Paul's final uh, conversation uh, with the Ephesian elders. And at the end, he does this kind of committal. And I just want to just draw some things up because I think it's super relevant for where we're at at the moment. He says, now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace. And... Um, it's just really, really important that we log the fact that what we're about, the way that we plant and strengthen churches is by committing people to God and the word of his grace. There is no power in advance, although I'm excited about the future. I'm excited because I think God's breathing on something. And so what we're doing is we're trying to connect people to God and we're trying to connect them to the word of grace, to, to, to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we, we committing people to God and to the message of grace, and therefore as leaders, we ourselves need to be those that are committed to God and to the message of grace. Which he then goes on to say, which can uh, build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. So this isn't just for this group, it's for all. There's an inheritance for those that are committed to God and to the message of the gospel. I've not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves remember that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of uh, my companions. I did this to show you the kind of hard work, uh, uh, the hard work uh, we must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Final two points, we're not going to achieve any of this without personal sacrifice. So Paul just said, hey guys, I commit you to God, I commit you to the message of grace, and then I just re remind you that I paid my own bills. I did in a tremendous amount of hard work so that this message would come free of charge. I labored, I provided not only for myself, but I actually provided for my companions. So actually, if you've got a community, uh, consumer mindset, I don't think you're going to get into apostolic Christianity. Because whenever God calls us to something, there is a sacrifice component <laughs> at the front end of it. And the idea that we could organize a movement that didn't require the leaders to sacrifice in any way would be 
uh, a less than biblical model. So we need to be men and women that are willing to sacrifice. How is all of that going to be done as you and I sacrifice to the glory of God and for the common good? But here's the deal. Paul says, I did all of this. I, you know, I worked hard to provide for my needs and the needs of the companions to show you the kind of hard work that needs to happen. And then you think he's going to say, and therefore you need to pull up your socks and just do that as well. He says, no. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus is more blessed to give than to receive. It's counterintuitive. When you give yourself fully, you get super blessed. So one of uh, uh, elders on my team, his wife went uh, to the, their 25th uh, school reunion. And he said, oh, you know, I've got the kids for the whole weekend. And I said to him, you know, I actually feel like I'm at the best at those moments because then I know I've got to do everything and when I actually do everything, then I get really blessed. Actually, I'm really bad when it's a weekend and Anna's there and I know she can do some of it and I should help out. But then I kind of just think, well, I've worked really hard. I'll just, you know, chill out and watch, watch some sport. Then that, that's Steve at his worst. But actually, when I've got to do it all and I've actually got to sacrifice now, at the end, I feel really blessed. I actually have a deeper relationship with my kids. I get, I get uh, to a place that's richer. And if our leadership is just about how we can become bigger deals and how other people can serve us, uh, we're just going to rip ourselves off. We're going to be selfish individuals, and we're just going to get ourselves, which is so unimpressive. But when we actually give ourselves on the behalf of others, we get blessed in a radical way. So when we call you to sacrifice for the sake of global mission... We do it unapologetically because actually we know you're going to get blessed. If your church or eldership team just becomes a consumerist unit where it just exists for itself, it's going to become toxic. It's going to become a group of selfish people that just exist for themselves. But actually when we begin to serve others, when we begin to sacrifice, we get blessed. That's the kingdom of God. It's the upside-down kingdom. When we lay down our lives, we actually find it. When we try and keep it, we lose it. And so God is genius, is he not? He's given us a global mission because he realizes we need to get on that, and the only way we can achieve that is by sacrificing. And when we sacrifice, we get blessed. We win. When we just go parochial, just our little gig, we get selfish, we get introspective, and the thing grows toxic. So... I just think there's a lot of juice there in Acts 20 to help us go forward as we embrace everything that God's got for us.